0: Our discussion on the amazing seeds that God created for us to eat and the wonderful substances that they co- contain and the great uh, benefits that they have for our health. So, before we start, let's just bow our heads for a word of prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, we thank you for all the wonderful things that you have created for us to eat. Help us to understand these things and to honor you in whatever we do and say, including in our eating and drinking. For we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to tell the story of how nuts evolved from being just a marginal food, from being just a snack food, something that you, you know decoration on a cake to being an important component of the diet and even part of the Dietary Guidelines for Americans. Uh, Before we do that, let's just stop a moment and uh, define what are nuts and the edible seeds. Nuts, by definition, are the fruit of trees composed of a hard shell and the seed, and the seed is edible. Usually we don't eat the fruit of the nut, we eat the, the seed, because the fruit kind of shrivels up and dries up, it's not, there's not a, a lot of fruit there, so we eat the seed of the nuts. okay? And there are what they call tree nuts, these are the ones that grow on trees, and then there are the peanuts, they're called nuts, but they're actually a, a legume, but because their composition, they have a lot of fat in them like nuts, usually we put them in the same category as, as nuts. And uh, chestnuts actually are a real nut, but they're a little different from the other nuts is because they are high in carbohydrate. So they are, chestnuts are much lower in fat and higher in carbohydrate than the rest of the nuts. They're higher in starch than the rest of the nuts. And then uh, along nutritionally with the nuts come the edible seeds. And these, you know, nutritionists usually also think of them in the same category because they have a composition, a nutrient composition that is similar to those of the nut. So they are high in fat and they have some of the other uh, beneficial characteristics of nuts. And these would be things like sesame and I think we could have a whole lecture on uh, sesame and its benefits, as well as things like sunflower seeds, pumpkin seeds, the little pepitas. Aren't they all good? And nowadays, very uh, uh, very popular, the flax seed because it's high in the omega three fatty acids, and the chia uh, and the chia seeds. So nuts and that's an, are an ancient food and a biblical food. Different parts of the world you know, have had different nuts growing. Uh, pecans are a native of the Americas, especially North Americas, and they were cultivated by the Indians and eaten by the Indians for you know, for many centuries in northern Mexico and, and in the southern United States. Brazil nuts, of course, come from Brazil. And peanuts are also, or were also a native of of the Americas that got got transported by the early explorers to Europe. In the Middle East, in the Middle Eastern countries, that area, the major nuts are walnuts, almonds, and pistachios. And then in India, uh, in the Asian uh, subcontinent, it's the cashews that are, are the major nuts there. There are lots of references in the Bible about nuts. Uh, remember when uh, uh, Joe, uh, when Isaac sent gifts with, with his sons to Joseph, it says a little balm, a little honey, spices and myrrh, pistachio nuts, and almonds. Actually, the word used in Hebrew is butum which is still you know, a word used to a nut that is relative of the pistachios in the Middle East. So we have buttons and we have uh, pistachio nuts. And then remember Aaron's rod? It sprouted. Aaron's rod was made of almond branch and it sprouted. And that was, uh, that was the miracle. It poured forth the blossoms and the ripe almonds. And then in Songs of Solomon, the song goes, I went to the garden of nuts to, de- to see the verdure of the valley. And uh, nuts, the word for nuts there that is used is joes. And in Arabic, walnuts are still called joes or el joes. And then... Uh, in Ezekiel, a prophecy about Egypt saying that the chestnut trees were not like its branches. That is, the, uh, the, the country will be cut down like a, like a chestnut tree was cut down. Now, some of the Adventists have a long history with nuts because they took seriously the words, of, the words in Genesis where God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seeds on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. And that, you know, very much sounds like the nuts, the tree nuts. And of course, with the health mess- message, Ellen G. White says that grains, fruits, nuts, and vegetables constitute the original diet chosen to us for us by the Creator. And then uh, J. Harvey Kellogg was a great believer in nuts, so along with you know, all the breakfast cereals, he promoted the consumption of nuts at breakfast, eating uh, nuts. And he wrote a little tract, a little article saying, uh, Nuts may save the race. So he thought nuts are important for, uh, for the diet of humans. But, you know, later on, somebody came around and wrote a book called The Nuts Among the Berries, and this was kind of a ridicule, you know, it had some satire and ridicule of the Adventists that promoted eating nuts and berries. But things have changed since then, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, so we're not looked down upon as being consumers of the nuts and berries. Now, everybody believes in eating, eating nuts and berries, So, uh, things do change. And uh, some of the credit for this change can go to uh, Dr. Juan Sabate, who is my boss, and I've worked with him for many, many years now, along with our team. He's a, a doctor, a physician, that was born in Barcelona, Spain, Grew up an Adventist, became a physician there, and after a few years in internal medicine, uh, said, you know, I'd like to work more in nutrition and public health. So he got a Fulbright scholarship and came to Loma Linda University and convinced Dr. Frazier that they should look at nuts and the health of Adventists in the Adventist health study. He was interested in nuts because they were vegetarians, and he remembers when he was growing up, his mom always had nuts at the table. So nuts were a complement to everything they, they ate. So based on data from the first Adventist health study, uh, they published this paper, the first paper showing that the, uh, the more you eat nuts, the less your risk for heart disease. And you can see from the slide, if you look at the bottom, it says myocardial infarction and fatal coronary heart disease. That is getting a a heart attack as well as dying from a heart attack. And the bars, the black one, represents people who eat nuts less than once a week. The ones in the middle and then the white bar, which is kind of very faint, but it's the shortest bar, are the ones that eat nuts five times or more per week. So eating nuts five times or more per week compared to one time a week or less, the risk of getting a heart attack and the risk of dying from heart attack goes down. So, you know, that kind of, you know, a lot of people didn't believe it then until they did the studies on their own databases, So a number of large epidemiological studies like the Adventist health study started doing analysis on the nuts their people ate and the risk of heart disease. Of course, other groups didn't eat as many nuts as as the Adventists, but still, whether we looked at the Iowa women's study, this was a study on Iowa women, older women, you know, uh, the nurses' health study, or the physician's uh, Physicians health study, all of them showed the same results. Decreasing risk of getting heart disease with increasing intake of nuts, nuts increasing frequency of intake of nuts. So I think after these large uh, other studies, got published, people were more ready to accept the idea. You know, we might have something going there. We might have some beneficial effect as far as the nuts are concerned. Okay, but, you know, people will not believe you until you actually do a clinical trial. Clinical trials are are usually done by pharmaceutical companies when a new drug comes out. Okay, so if a pharmaceutical company has developed a new drug, say a drug for lowering blood pressure, what do they do? They do a clinical trial. They get a group of people together, and they flip coins, and they say, uh, you're controlled, so we give you the fake pill, and you're in the intervention, so we give you the real, real pill, the drug, you know, the intervention pill. And, you know, they kind of follow these people over time, measure their blood pressure, see if their blood pressure goes down. If there is an increased reduction in blood pressure in those who are taking the real pill as compared to the fake pill. Because there's also always what is called the placebo effect. Mm. Just by taking the pill, you might think you're feeling better. So they have to do these studies in a randomized way, and they have to do these studies with a placebo, with a fake pill. Now, when it comes to testing nuts, you know, nutritionists haven't tested nuts before as a whole food. They tested the fat in the nuts, they tested the protein in the nuts, but never as a whole food. You know, this idea that whole foods are more than the sum of their parts is also a new concept you know the idea that eating the whole food is met better than just taking one part of it and and eating that part so uh, this is also a new concept in nutrition and uh, some of the uh, one of the first promoters are uh, of this concept the synergy between different components in a whole food is Dr. Jacobs David Jacobs from the University of Minnesota okay but i think our studies help to support that concept because we were testing the whole food the whole the whole nut but when it comes to nuts i mean you can't hide them in the food people know when they are <laughs> eating the nuts versus when they don't have the nuts in the meal so so uh, we tried to do our studies, carefully controlled clinical trials or metabolic trials. That is, every item of food was weighed and measured exactly. And, uh, so, and people had to come to the kitchen at Loma Linda and eat one, two, three meals a day, carefully controlled metabolic trials, using uh, the first walnut that was used was walnuts, uh, we got support for that from the, from the California Walnut Commission. Now, California Walnut Commission was pretty used to giving grants to universities to do research. But most of those grants were on how to grow the walnuts and how to uh, treat the trees and how to pick them and how to package them. They had never done a study, I mean, they had never supported a study where they were looking at the health effects of the walnuts. So they weren't sure about that. But Dr. Sabate is pretty convincing, and somehow he was able to convince them that this is an important study to do. And it has been good for the California Walnut Commission because walnuts in California have doubled, double, tripled. And, you know, they can hardly keep up with the market. Actually, uh, California is a major producer and exporter of walnuts, mm-hmm. almonds, and pistachios. Uh, you know, uh, good, uh, good markets for those. So this is kind of showing you the difference between the two diets that, that we use when we do these nut studies. So the control diet is not an unhealthy one. It's really a healthy one according to the guidelines of the American Heart Association. So low-fat, low-saturated fat. So so the controlled diet is not a bad diet. It's a good diet. But think of all the foods that you would eat in the day and just reduce each food by about 20%. And then instead of that 20%, you're you're adding uh, walnuts or almonds or pecans. We've done these studies with walnuts, almonds, and pecans. So you're reducing the amount of food and eating walnuts. So instead, for example, f- uh, of eating a whole uh, uh, cup of oatmeal, you might cut it down twenty percent and have some almonds. So, so it's uh, it's reducing the other foods and adding the almonds. So the calories will be the same, okay? And uh, two groups randomized usually crossover. So, half of the people will be eating the diets with the nut, the other half will be eating the control, and then halfway through, usually a month later or six weeks later, they change. The ones that were eating the control, eating the almonds, and the ones that were eating the almonds will eat, or the walnuts will eat the control diets. So, these are called crossover trials, and then you can look at the results very well, because each person has been on both types, and you can can compare a person to themselves. These are very uh, powerful kinds of studies. And uh, so even though these were mostly, the first walnut study was mostly students from Loma Linda, and even though their total cholesterol was low, it went even lower on the walnut diet, their LDL went down, their HDL went down a little bit, but the LDL-HDL ratio improved, and their triglycerides well done, went down. So even though these were healthy people, their blood lipids levels were reduced. And uh, Dr. Sabate was able to get this, pub- this research published in the New England Journal of Medicine. It's you the know, first time the New England Journal of Medicine Publishes a, a diet study on uh, on walnuts, on nuts. Okay, and uh, of course, you know the other nuts also wanted to be tested. So, as I said earlier, we also uh, were able to uh, do a um, almond feeding study and a pecan feeding study. Uh, pretty much, pretty much the same results. Total cholesterol goes down, LDL cholesterol goes down, ApoB, which is the bad lipoprotein, goes down. The ldl hdl ratio goes down, which is a good thing, and the ApoB-ApoA1 ratio all goes down. So you showed by actually feeding people how come in an epidemiological study, in a population study, you can see a reduced risk of heart disease. Because you have this connection between lowering cholesterol and lowering, heart, you know, your chances of getting a heart attack or uh, or heart disease or atherosclerosis. Okay. So that that was pretty exciting. Now people tell me, you know, why didn't you do cashews? Where do cashews grow? India. So you know, in India they do. They do studies on cashews, but somehow studies done in India are not all that reliable. At least the people in the U.S. don't think they're that reliable. And, you know, we haven't gotten the people in India to support a study at Loma Linda yet. Maybe someday we'll be able to do a study on cashews. Okay, so let's, uh, let's go back and do uh, a few slides on the nutrient composition of nuts, Okay. We all know that nuts are high in fat, okay? So, you know, nuts are a high-fat food, and you can see here the nuts as percent uh, as fat, the percent of energy as fat. That is the percent of calories that come from fat in the various nuts. The highest in fats are the macadamia nuts and the pecans, and the lowest in fats are the almond, pistachio, and cashew, yes, Yeah, I put, the tree nuts are defined like what grow on trees, okay? But the rest of that nuts might not be, the rest of the items I have here on the list, the foods, might not be a nut by definition. But in nutrition, we kind of consider them in the same category of nuts because they're similar. And their food composition. So botanically, they might not be nuts, but you know, they are similar to nuts as far as their nutrient contribution grows, goes. Does that make sense? Yeah, so botanically, you know, sesame is not a nut, and peanuts are not a nut, they're a legume, but they kind of are in the same category as far as their nutri- nutrition is concerned. Okay, this is a little more detailed, a little harder to see, and you can't see the difference between the yellow and the, uh, <laughs> and I can't see it, the yellow and the red. But the lowest in saturated fat by far are the almonds, and uh, the highest in saturated fats are the macadamias, and of course the really, really high nuts in saturated fat are coconuts, which I don't even have on this list. And then uh, peanuts and walnuts are highest in the polyunsaturated fats. And then the distinction that walnuts has, the way it's different than the other nuts, than all of the other nuts, in that it is high in the omega-3 fatty acid, the alpha-linolenic. Yes, it looks like. Oh, oh here it's back. It's back. Hey. hey, okay. Uh, they go rancid more than other nuts because they're so highly saturated. Yeah, but you know, all all nuts will eventually go rancid. Yes? Are slivered or sliced or any other kind of chopping? Fine. Just yeah, no, fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> what about roasting? Really uh, lightly roasting, you know, cooking lightly roasting. You know, you, you don't want to eat all your nuts roasted, okay? So some toasted a little bit on salad, some raw, some, you know, vary the ways of cooking. It's always good to vary your ways of cooking and vary the uh, types of food that you, that you take. But in our feeding studies, we use nuts all, way, all every way. We put them in a roast, we put them in pizza, we gave them the ziz, we ground them up and made a paste. So, you know, we, we did them different ways in the, uh, in the feeding studies that we did. We didn't just fix them one way, we fixed them a number of different ways. Okay, so this is, uh, this is one that shows uh, the, the green in the middle, which is not very clear, shows you that uh, hazelnuts and macadamia nuts probably are the highest in the monounsaturated fat, so they don't tend to get rancid as much as the ones that are high in the polyunsaturated fat. And then at the bottom, walnuts, it has a little piece of orange at the end. That's the alpha-linolenic acid, the omega-3 fatty acid. That walnuts, you know, is the only one of the nuts that is relatively high in the, alpha, uh, in the alpha-linolenic acid, the omega-3. Some of the seeds are like flaxseed. Flaxseed is really, really high. It's like you know, almost 50% alpha-linolenic acid, the way, the same way with chia. That's why those seeds are being, you know, that those seeds are popular at the present time. Okay. Uh, nuts are also a source of protein, and this is protein as percent calories. You also see peanuts, pistachios, and almonds, topping the list, and the lowest in pro- protein are the pecans and the and the macadamia nuts. So they tend to be lower when you're looking at percent of calories in protein. Uh, Fiber and vitamins. Uh, Nuts are a good source of fiber. And uh, uh, nuts, especially peanuts, are a good source of niacin. I think peanuts... uh, Niacin, sometimes vegetarians don't get enough niacin. So peanuts are an important source of niacin for vegetarians, as well as some of the nuts are important sources of vitamin B6 for vegetarians, and of course, vitamin E. Vitamin E, the real vitamin E is alpha-tocopherol, and almonds are especially high in alpha-tocopherol. Almonds and hazelnuts We don't eat enough hazelnuts in this country. Maybe they should grow more of them in California. But almonds and hazelnuts tend to be especially high in the uh, alpha-tocopherol, which is the real active form of vitamin E. Now, when it comes to the minerals, uh, you know, there's some potassium, calcium, iron. Uh, uh, Nuts are a good source of magnesium, they're also a good source of zinc, but a very good source of copper and manganese. Those, uh, those minerals seem to be uh, prominent in, uh, in nuts. Okay, and in addition to these things that we call nutrients, there's also quite a bit of phytochemicals, these plant chemicals, especially the phytosterols and we said before the phytosterols are the substances that remember cholesterol that resemble cholesterol in their chemical structure and have the opposite effect because they block the absorption of cholesterol and we see that you know looking at total phytosterols all all the nuts are good sources of these phytosterols And the highest in the phytosterols are sesame seeds. But, you know, that's, as a rule, uh, plant foods, the oily plant foods, they tend to be high in the phytosterols. Okay, and uh, uh, we've talked about this already, that we have conducted feeding studies on walnuts, pecans, and almonds using two doses, too. So, we got a dose response from almonds. So, we were thinking about what our next study would be, and we thought that, you know, walnuts are high in omega 3, and the other food that is high in omega 3 that everybody pushes is fish, okay? So, uh, just a little background information on omega 3 fatty acids, okay? So, uh, the precursor for all omega-3 fatty acids is this alpha-linolenic acid, this omega-3 alpha-linolenic acid. That's the omega-3 that's in walnuts and it's in plant foods, okay? Now when we eat omega-3 and uh, our body converts it to longer chain fatty acids that are have long names, but, you know, we just call them EPA and DHA. And EPA and DHA are important for the health of the nerve tissue and the brain and nervous development and, and all of those things, the EPA and the DHA. So, but plants don't do that conversion. Plants just produce alpha-linolenic acid, so there is no EPA or DHA in plant foods. Okay? But fish do a good job of converting alpha-linolenic acid that they get from the algae and whatever is in the, in the water and the ocean. So fish are especially rich in EPA and DHA. Of course, there's some EPA and DHA in... Uh, and meats, and, uh, and dairy products, but the real good source of EPA and DHA is fish. So people, scientists got interested in fish eating because of the Eskimos. They said, you know, look at the Eskimos. All they eat is meat, they eat very little vegetable, and they don't get heart attacks. The EPA and DHA that they get from fish tends to keep their blood a little fluid, you know less platelet aggregation less clumping so they have less of a formation of thrombus and that's how the mechanism that's why they think you know fish is protective so since then there's quite a bit of excitement but and trying to tell you know vegetarians that you have to get your fish tablets right have you heard that uh, yeah Okay. uh, What helps from the Adventist Health Study is that when, remember I told you we collected some blood? So when we look at the blood of vegetarians and non-vegetarians, there's not that much difference in how much EPA and DHA there is. So our bodies can convert the plant precursor of EPA and DHA Uh, the alpha-linolenic acid to EPA and DHA in our bodies. However, we have to get enough, the precursor, which is alpha-linolenic acid from the plant foods that we eat. You know, walnuts, flaxseed if you want, uh, greens usually have some alpha linolenic acids, so there is a little alpha linolenic acid in lots of food. So, if we get you know our plant food precursors, then we should be able to do okay. Now, EPA and DHA is also important for nervous development of infants, okay? And it's interesting that when they test pregnant women and lactating women, their conversion from alpha-linolenic acid to EPA and DHA is higher than in us older people who don't need it. So, so physiologically, God placed those mechanisms in our body to take care of some of these situations. It's, uh, it's pretty wonderful and amazing. So we thought, you know, what if we got a group of people, they have to be willing to eat non-vegetarian diets, and we would randomize them into two groups and feed them a walnut diet, compare it directly to a fish, fish diet, and see, and see what happens. And uh, that was a fun study to do. And uh, this kind of summarizes the results. The open circles represent the fish diet, and the bar represents where they started from. Okay? So the bar represents where they started from, and the open circles represent the fish diet. And the dark circles represent the walnut diet. So the fish diet increased their total cholesterol, increased their HDL. Uh, their HDL increased a little bit, and, uh, but the ratio you know, didn't, uh, didn't lower the ratio of LDL to, uh, to, uh, to HDL. But the fish diet was effective in reducing, you see that thing at the bottom where it says TG? TG stands for triglycerides, which is the fat in the blood. See, we've got cholesterol, we've got the fat. So uh, the uh, fish diet was most important in lowering their triglyceride, whereas walnuts lowered all all the other parameters, okay? So, the take home lesson is that we can do very well with uh, adding nuts and, and walnuts to our diet. And the way we make sure our triglycerides are not too high is how? Exercise. Exercise, not too much carbohydrate, especially refined carbohydrate, because it's the refined carbohydrates. And things like, uh, you know, some of the sugars, the high fructose corn syrup, maybe, that increase triglycerides. Also, what's helpful in lowering triglycerides is making sure we keep our weight close to, to normal. So weight control and uh, avoiding refined carbohydrates is one way to make sure triglycerides stay low. Okay, and uh, we also thought, you know, what, who benefits the most from these, these studies that we're doing? Uh, the ones, notice there are two categories there, those with higher LDL and those with lower BMI. So the ones that benefit the most with uh, some of the nut feeding studies that we've done are those with higher LDLs, those with higher blood lipids benefit the most when we put them on the nut diet, okay? And then those, uh, as far as body weight goes, it's those with a lower BMI benefit the most. So those with higher BMI still have to do something about making sure to control body weight, Because those that benefit the most from the NUT studies are those with the higher LDL, higher cholesterol, they benefit the most. And those with the lower BMI's benefit the most. So this is a summary relationship between NUTs and heart disease, lowering cholesterol, lowering LDL, lowering triglycerides. If we keep carbohydrates in proper uh, perspective because uh, nuts are low in saturated fat. Other ways by which nuts might protect against heart disease is an antioxidant effect and an anti-inflammatory inflammatory effect. And we'll talk about in a, this in a few minutes. Before we do that, you know, first thing when we started publishing about nuts, people started saying, oh, nuts are fattening. Have you heard that? No, yes. Yeah, yeah. Nuts are fattening. So we had to, you know, see whether nuts are really fattening or nuts. Do not are nut eaters fatter? You know, those who eat nuts, do they gain more weight over time? All of those questions. So back to the epidemiological studies and looking at the data again. And the major epidemiological studies here: the nurses' health study, the physician's health study, Iowa Women's. And uh, the Adventist health study showed actually a negative as- association between the frequency of eating nuts and body weight. So people who ate more nuts actually weighed less. So uh, not, not necessarily the nut eaters were heavier. And even though their calories might have been more, look at where it says bmi Uh, nut-eaters 23.8, non-nut-eaters 25. The calories is a little higher in the nut-eaters, but their BMI was lower. So, something about nuts that increases metabolism maybe, and then, you know, uh, we probably don't assimilate all the fat that is in the nut. Even if we chew it real well, you know, we might not assimilate all the fat, so, the calories in the nuts that we see published might not reflect actually the calories that uh, end up uh, being used by the body. Okay, now this is a little study that came from Spain, but I was interested in in it because it was prospective. You know, how much... Uh, These are the people who gained more than five kilograms uh, over time and their nut consumption. So with increased nut consumption, there was less weight gain over time. There was less risk of gaining weight. So not only in a cross-sectional way, in a prospective way, eating nuts was associated with less weight gain. Okay, and then we also did a couple feeding studies and weights. So one with, uh, with almonds, that was, uh, uh, Dr. Frazier was the first, uh, the PI, and one with walnuts, with Dr. Sabate as the PI. This is where we had to get a larger group of people because it was a home study. People didn't have to come to Loma Linda to eat. We just, we just randomized them and said, here, you eat nuts, you don't get any nuts. So one group got nuts to eat, one group didn't. So we had little packages of nuts, about an ounce for the ladies and the less active men and an ounce and a half for the more active men. Okay, and we followed these people for a whole year to see which ones... Uh, you know, to see whether they gained weight or not. And the, uh, there was a little weight gain, but it wasn't statistically significant. It was about one pound. But interestingly enough, the, this, most of it was accounted for by the underweight people that gained weight. The overweight people actually lost a little weight. So, so that was kind of neat. So this is what we uh, tested with, with almonds and, uh, and walnuts and body weight. And then one of our colleagues uh, was uh, associated with a weight control program. This is a weight control program where they used formula diets, you know, liquid formula diets. Like, like you, you just get to drink these cans, uh, about 500 calories uh, all day long. So they decided instead of just having them drink the cans, they will give them one food so they can chew at least something uh, that day, you know, on the diet. So they compared popcorn and almonds. So popcorn is mostly carbohydrate. Almonds, of course, you know what those are, okay? And uh, so these were fairly obese people. That were randomized to get these cans. These cans were only about 500 calories, I think, and either a little bit, a few calories from popcorn or from almonds. And uh, this is the weight reduction curve, okay? This is over a period of 24, 24 weeks. I think it's a period of 24 weeks. But the bottom line is the almonds as you expect. Those that had the little uh, supplement to their formula of almonds uh, lost just a little more weight than the ones that got the, the supplement as, uh, as popcorn. And I think the reason why, even though the amount of calories was the same, the almonds gave them a little more fullness, a little more satiety than the, uh, uh, than the popcorn. So these are the different ways by which uh, nuts are helpful in weight control. Nuts are high in protein. This helps satiety. They're high in fiber. They uh, delay emptying time and absorption so you don't get these spikes in blood sugar. Maybe they increase energy expenditure and possibly you know, we have some fecal losses of the oil of the fat if we don't you know, chew the, chew the nuts <laughs> uh, not enough. Okay, and uh, another thing that people have wondered about is whether, um, how nuts influence glycemic control. You know, we've talked about the glycemic index before this week, right? It's uh, a higher glycemic index means when you eat that food, the blood sugar shoots up more, faster. And goes down faster, whereas a lower glycemic index means that the blood sugar doesn't go up as much but stays up a little over a longer period of time, okay? So uh, nuts really have a low glycemic index, and what they tried to do here, this is Jenkins' group in, uh, in Canada. Uh, they used just white bread, and then they compared it to white bread plus 30 grams of almonds, White bread plus 60 grams of almonds and white bread plus 90 grams of almonds. 90 grams of almonds is quite a bit of almonds, you know. It's like, it's like three ounces of almond. But uh, with the increasing nut, the glycemic response was lower, as you would expect. So if you add nuts to a, to a meal, you would expect the glycemic response to be, to be lower, the glycemic response to that meal. And uh, just a quick slide on uh, nuts consumption and risk of uh, type two diabetes. This is not a Loma Linda study, this comes from another group, and there seems to be a reduced risk for type two diabetes in people who consume nuts more. As I told you, we still haven't done the study with the Adventist Health Study on, on type 2 diabetes and nuts. Okay. So uh, we've said nuts are helpful in reducing our risk for heart disease. Nuts are helpful in weight control. You know, if we don't overdo it and eat a lot of fried nuts. Uh, nuts are generally helpful in, in helping us feel satisfied after a meal and uh, And, uh, you know, modulating our intake and modulating our blood sugar levels, too. Uh, Nuts are helpful that way. Now, uh, another important uh, outcome associated with all kinds of chronic diseases, whether we're talking heart disease or diabetes or cancer, or um, is the... Oxidation and inflammatory, the oxidative and inflammatory response. Okay? This all started because they discovered that it's the oxidized cholesterol in our blood that tends to deposit in our blood vessels and cause the atherosclerosis and the plaque. And the antioxidants in our diet. Help reduce the oxidized cholesterol and the oxidation processes that happen in the body, right? Okay, now uh, what are antioxidants in our diet? There are a couple of vitamins that are good antioxidants, and which are they? Vitamin C and vitamin E, okay? There are a couple of minerals because they are a component of an enzyme that has an antioxidant function, like selenium. Uh, it's a component of glutathione peroxidase, which is an antioxidant uh, enzyme. Okay? But in addition to those, some of the phytochemicals, some of the plant chemicals, also are antioxidants. So uh, these phytochemicals can be absorbed and float around in our bloodstream and help protect uh, the uh, cholesterol, the triglyceride, the lining of the bloodstream from becoming oxidized because, you know, oxidation, some oxidation is good. Too much oxidation is not helpful for health. And oxidation and the inflammatory effect are also sort of related. They, uh, They go hand in hand. Okay. So uh, we were wondering whether eating nuts will, inc- will decrease the oxidation, will increase antioxidants, and decrease, decrease the oxidants, okay? So these studies were like a postprandial. Postprandial means after eating. So it's not months and months, it's not weeks and weeks, it's just we get the, we get the participants and we give them a shake, okay? The shake is either Almonds or walnuts or a control shake. It could be something like whey or something like that. You know, they should have the same composition. And we'll uh, take their blood every half an hour or hour or so and test the blood to see what happens to the oxidative status of, of the blood. That's pretty much what we can measure. Okay. And uh, one of the tests that has been used especially by agricultural sciences for many years now is the ORAC test. I'm sure you've heard about it. It's the Oxygen Radical Absorbance Capacity. And they've used this ORAC test to test all kinds of foods, you know, fruits and vegetables. And... uh, fruit, for example, berries like blueberries. Blueberries became famous because they have a really high ORAC. They have a really high antioxidant capacity. They, you know, eating eating uh, the blueberries can t- remove free radicals very well. They can inactivate the free radicals. So blueberries are popular because they have a high ORAC, oxygen radical absorbance capacity. Now you can test the food for its ORAC capacity, but you can also test the blood for, you know, the blood. You can test the blood, like you do the foods, for blood's or, uh, uh, oral radical absorbance capacity, or ORAC. Okay, look at those list of foods there. We've got blueberries, 6,550. We've got strawberries up there, artichokes. See the almonds? Almonds, pecans, and walnuts have auric capacities that are even higher than blueberries and, uh, and strawberries and some of the other supposedly high antioxidant, uh, antioxidant berries and fruits. Okay, uh, the, more, the more important phytochemicals in, uh, in nuts belong to these families. The anthocyanins, and the proanthocyanidins. These are similar to the the phytochemicals and antioxidants in chocolate and in tea. Have you ever heard that it's good to drink tea because it has a lot of antioxidants? Well, you don't have to drink tea, you can eat nuts. You can still eat chocolate. Uh, Chocolate also has a high antioxidant capacity. Okay, so uh, as a result of these, you know, after the meal, after the shake studies, when we tested almonds, they came up really nicely in the alpha-tocopherol vitamin E, which is a a good antioxidant. Okay, and this is uh, the oxidized cholesterol in the blood after eating, I think this happens to be pecans. Okay, so you can see after eating the pecans, you know, nuts are a high-fat food. And the general conventional wisdom that when you eat the high-fat food, it increases the ox- oxidation in your, in your bloodstream. Okay, it increases the, the oxidation in your bloodstream after a high-fat food. But after the pecans, you can see a much more sharp lowering, at one hour, two hours, three hours, then it goes up a little, and then it comes down again. Less oxidized LDL in the blood after almond consumption as compared to the normal shake, which was which was just a, a, a shake without nuts. So the nut shake produced, produced lower oxidized LDL after the meal. And the oxidized LDL is the bad one because it's the one that makes the plaque, you know, gets precipitated there in the blood vessel. Okay, and this is not as colorful, so you just have to believe me about it, but the nut shakes produced higher ORACs than the, after a meal. We got higher ORAC tests in the blood after the meal, after the nuts, than we did after the control shake. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah because nuts are, are high in some of these antioxidant substances. Okay, are nuts anti-inflammatory? I don't I didn't have, we have some preliminary data too that ox, uh, eating nuts is also anti-inflammatory, bringing down things like C-reactive protein and TNF-alpha, TNF Uh, after eating the nuts, so this is another positive effect of nuts. Because, you know, oxidation, inflammation, they go together, and they think that they contribute to all of the chronic conditions, the, the inflammatory effect. Okay, I'd like to finish up with cognitive function. And this study doesn't come from, uh, from Loma Linda. This study comes from uh, Tufts University, the Center on Aging. So uh, prominent in studies uh, on aging and you know, how to slow down the aging process, especially as related to diet and food, is uh, the group of researchers at Tufts University. Okay, so in order to do some of these studies, they came up with the idea of this tank. They call it the Morris Water Maze. So this is a tank, and the tank has a starting place, and they fill the tank with water. I guess the the mice can swim. They fill the tank with water. They have a place where it's starting, and then there is a resting platform here, and something somewhere here where the... uh, uh, rats can get their orientation, okay? So they uh, put the rats and the, the mice. These are not rats, huh? These are nice little mice. They put the little mice in the tank, and they swim, and the young mice, and I know this guy, the, the one there, That's the researchers, he, he's, he's a real wonderful person. Uh, he, he just passed away. This doesn't so show so well, but the young mice can quickly find the platform. You know, they just boom, boom, they find the platform. The older mice, nineteen weeks old, go all over the place. You know, swimming around before they find the platform. Yeah. You know, they have other tests. I'm just just using this one as an example. You know, their balance on something that goes this way and a rod that rotates and how they walk on that. You know, they have different types of tests on the, on the mice, but the, the uh, water maze is the more interesting one. Okay, and here you can see that the older mice takes them longer. These bars represent the seconds it takes them to find the platform. Older mice learn, so trial two is usually better than trial one. So they put them in one time, and then put them in again. The second time, they do a little better than the first time. But you can see that the older mice don't do as well as the the younger mice in trying to find the platform. Okay, and uh, to do these studies, they thought, okay, let's see if blueberries... Help the rats as they grow older to retain their cognition and do better on these maize tests. So, the initial studies that they did at was with blueberries, and they were able to show that the rats had blueberries in their food, and their Purina, Purina rat chow every day, just a little blueberries, they did much better at retaining their memory ability and balance ability as they grew older than did the ones on, uh, on just the, the rat chow without the, without the blueberries. And uh, so they said, okay, let's test walnuts, Okay. So they've also been doing these tests with with walnuts because walnuts are another food that might be helpful for cognitive function. Number one, it's uh, high in unsaturated fat. It has quite a bit of that alpha-linolenic acid that is good to produce EPA and DHA and those benefits. And it's high in in the antioxidants. So it's high in vitamin E, it's high in folate, uh, walnuts also have melatonin in them, as well as this alpha linolenic acid. So they thought, you know, maybe we will get a positive effect with the with the uh, walnuts with the rats. So you see the control ones on the. These are all old rats. Oh, sorry, I keep saying rats. Old mice. So I think old means 19 weeks old. Okay, so poor mice, they don't have that long a lifespan. Okay, so the, the ones on the far left are the control ones, and the short story is they got the best cognitive remembrance with the 6% walnut diet. The lower Amount of walnuts did do as well, and the higher amount of walnuts did do as well. They get, got the best results with uh, the 6%. Now, how this translates to humans, you know, we don't know yet. But the more exciting thing is that's the advantage of studying mice. You know, studying mice at the end, you can take out their brains and look at what happened to the brain, right? We can We do our studies on humans, and you know we can't. We can't do stuff like that. So they were looking at these cells in the brain called micro microglia. These microglia cells are tiny little cells, micro, in the brain that have an immune function, and they uh, remove any. Uh, you know. Foreign substances and degeneration. So, so like after a stroke, these micro uh, microglia kind of work hard to remove all that stuff from the from the stroke. So they are immune macrophages that are in the brain. That's their function. And uh, lo and behold, when they gave them the uh, walnut diet, especially. Uh, the CA1, this special activity was, let's see here, what does it say? Uh, a fewer, fewer uh, microglia in the CA3 part of the brain. They thought that is a real positive effect, that with eating Uh, walnuts, there was less inflammation, therefore there was less of these microglia because they didn't have to clean up the inflammation mess, okay? So, you know, lights came up and uh, the California Walnut Commission says, we need to do a study on walnuts and cognitive function in humans, okay? Okay? So this is what we're busy with right now. Our current study is looking at eating walnuts and cognitive function in humans. This is a large study, 300 people at Loma Linda and 300 people in Barcelona, Spain. So you have two cultures. Uh, This way you have uh, better, better data. And these are elderly individuals, 65 to 75. So I didn't qualify because I'm older than that. But um, they had, the controlled people could not eat nuts more than once a week. Okay? So we couldn't recruit too many Adventists because Adventists like to eat their nuts. Okay? So we had a hard time recruiting because many of the people that live around Loma Linda said, you know, I'm not sure I want to go. A ho- it's a three-year study. I'm not sure I want to go three years with eating nuts just once a week. You know, once a week is a little decoration. This is okay, but um, the the intervention had to eat these walnuts. Have to eat the walnuts every day, and we're going to look at, of course, chronic disease biomarkers, cognitive function tests. Now, in humans, these will be paper, pencil tests, and remembrance tests, as well as walking and balance types of tests. And the psychology department at Loma Linda is helping us with these these tests, the doctoral students there. As well as blood flow in the retina and back of of the eye, I guess this is a real sensitive area where you can study study blood flow and changes, changes in the blood flow. So we've We've recruited 350 people. We're at the end of the first year, so stay tuned, you know. In one or two years we, uh, we hope to have some results from this walnut, from this Waha study. Okay, so uh, this is what an ounce of nuts looks like. Okay. And uh, the importance of nuts in vegetarian diets. It's important for everybody, because when we looked at the Adventist health study, the reduction in heart disease was not just in vegetarians, but also in the meat eaters. So, but especially for vegetarians, nuts complement the protein of other plant foods. They're an an important source of some of the omega-3s. They've also got, remember, vitamin E and niacin, uh, magnesium, important in the control of blood pressure. They taste good. They're enjoyable. They're easy to carry around. So if you're vegetarian on a trip and you don't, you're not sure whether you get something decent to eat, there's always the, the, the nuts that, uh, that are a good standby. They are the ultimate uh, fast food. And this is our team. We work together with uh, Dr. Sabate, Dr. Rajaram is from India, uh, Dr. Wien is from the U.S., uh, Karen's from the U.S., Dr. Rizzo's from Germany, but originally Italian. Dr. Siapko is from the Philippines, and that's me. <laughs> and uh, thank you for your attention. And this is my email. Okay, questions? All answered. You it well. <laughs> I have a question. Yes. You mentioned the um, oils from fish. Yeah. True, true, about the contaminants in fish oil. The contaminants in fish oil, yeah. But some of the products are more purified than others, so you need to check on them. You know, I don't really know a lot about supplements because we're more interested in, in eating foods. But I understand, you know, you, and there is a vegan uh, supplement that contains EPA and DHA, so we've used that. It's extracted from algae, okay? So it's a vegan, extracted from algae supplement that is high in EPA and DHA. So if you're interested in taking EPA, DHA, I would go with that that supplement. Mm Yes? I have a question about the value of raw nuts versus roasted in oil. Yeah, roasted in oil will increase the calories. That's the big thing. And usually roasted in oil have a lot of salt with them. So if you're eating them raw, you probably will not have as much salt and all of that added oil from frying them in oil. But you can lightly roast them in the oven. It doesn't change their protein, it doesn't change their oil, they're still good. Yes. The mold in peanuts is really serious, but it's not something we have to worry about. Because in the U.S., every peanut that, goes, that go, ends up in peanut butter has to go under a blue light, and if it has any mold on it, they have to remove it. But the aflatoxins that these molds form, uh, you know, are cancer-causing, cancer-causing substances. There are a real problem in places like Africa where it's humid and they don't have dry silos where they store their peanuts and their grain gets moldy and their peanuts get moldy and they get a lot of aflatoxin and the risk of liver cancer is really high. But in the U.S., we don't have to worry about it. They're pretty careful about monitoring it and making sure the level of aflatoxins are really, really low. Yes? Yes? Sinatra? No. (laughs) Anyway, he has a, he's using, instead of fish, he's using squid. Ah, interesting. Uh, What do you think of that? I have no idea. What we used in the study was salmon. We got salmon from Costco. That's what we fed our, that's what we fed our subjects. Yeah. (laughs) Question on yesterday's study. Yeah. On the soybean, the soybean that has been modified by adding Roundup in their molecular structure, will that will the body reject that, or will it be accumulated like lead? That's my question. No, it's not accumulated. It's not accumulated. No, no. No. The DNA is mostly digested, broken down in our intestinal tract. So we don't absorb DNA. Okay? It's mostly broken down in our intestinal tract. But you know, it's not something that we shouldn't worry about. I, I think this is the GMO is a natural experiments that we're undergoing in spite of our knowledge. We you know. So I think we should push the government, the state, to label the products, to do proper research on the products, to have more open research, because there might be some effects on the health of the intestinal tract, maybe the liver, the kidneys, uh, as a result of these GMA uh, foods. But I understand that the DNA is pretty much mostly broken down in the intestinal tract, so we don't absorb a whole lot of DNA. Yeah. And um it's at the level of a very serious like yeah. death. Yeah. And his father lived to be eighty four as a vegetarian, eating the nuts every day mm-hmm. like as yeah. my husband does. Yeah. And I wonder what you could recommend for him other than that, because I tried the fish capsule and one dose and he wouldn't have it <laughs> would at all. Yeah. 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 Stick now. stick with the nuts. Okay. Yeah. Yes. If the quantities are the same, does it matter if you have it on a daily basis or weekly or week? I, I like eat all your nuts in one day. Not all in one day yeah. Yeah. One, true. On the does that yeah. make any difference? Uh I would suggest, you know, regular. Just have nuts at the table every meal. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Is it true that to get the benefit from the flax seeds they need to be crushed? True because otherwise they, you know you know they come out like you that they went to You didn't talk much about the brazilian nut. did we yeah. Uh, we, uh, I, we don't have much to say about it. Yeah. yeah. The brazil nut, the brazil nut. Yeah. Uh, is there a difference in soaking your almonds in water overnight and then have them in the morning raw, but you know, being soaked, it's an easy... It's, it's fine. It's fine. There shouldn't be a difference. There shouldn't be a big difference. When you take the, the peels off, you probably will get less of the polyphenols. But the other benefits of the almond will still be there. You know, it's kind of nice to have some. Have you ever soaked sock, walnuts? Those are delicious soaked. Yeah. Soaked almonds, soaked walnuts. You know, that's that's one way that we eat them in Lebanon. It should be fine. Did you go through anything about sprouting? I didn't especially. But sprouting of soybeans keeps quite a bit, you know, maintains the isoflavones that are in the soybeans. So the, the isoflavones aren't lost when you, when you sprout them. Yeah. The, the other thing about sprouts is make sure they're clean because if there's foodborne infection, the most common vegetable sources of foodborne infections are sprouts. So, you know, I'd make the sprouts myself or something like that, yeah. Sunflower seeds, I didn't notice on your um, line. where do they fit? They fit with the very low saturated ones, very healthy seed, and very high in vitamin E, the alpha tocopherol. Sunflower oil, sunflower seeds, good stuff. What causes the uh, mold on peanut that the lady mentioned yeah, uh, or what? Uh, humidity, humidity. Okay. What causes molds every, anywhere? It's just humidity. Yeah. Well, guys, you've been good. Thank you for listening, and hopefully, you'll have a long and healthful life. And nutty life. <laughs> <A> nutty life. <laughs>